you know, the answer for most entrepreneurs is to work harder, you know, to try harder, uh, to, to torque things up. As I like to say, we, we work harder or we worry more, you know, and those are the two knobs that most entrepreneurs have. And it, and it can be very, very useful in launching uh, businesses and, and so forth. But unfortunately, it does turn to kryptonite for a lot of people at some point. As a high achiever, it can be challenging to balance your responsibilities to your team, your leadership, and your home life. You're trying to please everybody and keep everyone around you happy. As high performers, we are conditioned to be sure not to let anyone down. Eventually, we hit a glass ceiling or burn out. Scott Anderson, burnout coach and licensed therapist is here today to walk us through how we can prevent, manage and overcome our burnout. Let's dive in. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tech Leaders Playbook podcast. Scott and I spoke a couple times and uh, I was actually very, very intrigued about something he said uh, specifically about clinical burnout. And since then, I've been thinking about it, and I've been very much looking forward to chatting with you, Scott. Uh, thank you for being here. Just to give a quick summary of Scott Anderson, Scott's basically works with folks that are, you know, overworked, stressed out leaders to recapture their energy and basically get them back on, on the amazing journey that they're on. Uh, he's an executive coach, consultant, and most importantly, a therapist. And uh, we all need one of those. So welcome, Scott. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Great to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, I'd love to hear your, your kind of your journey and what, what got you to this point and what made you go into this business? Cause this is very unique. Yeah. Well, you know, like like a lot of people, I think like you in some ways, I've you know, I've been a I was born into an entrepreneurial family where being an entre entrepreneur was sort of the normal expected, almost seen as less risky than having a job. And uh, so I've started 10 companies and sold eight. And it's just the way I've always kind of lived. And um, but what I found was having been through a bunch of different kinds of businesses, family businesses, uh, smaller businesses, larger businesses. Um, what I found was uh, as I was uh, about 20 years into an advertising agency, which was the, the business I stayed with the longest, I started an advertising agency. And about 20 years into that, I just uh, started to lose my mojo completely. I had great partners, a great business. The business was thriving. It was doing well. Um, you know, the advertising business has up and ups and downs for sure. It's not for the faint of heart, but I just found my, my passion and interest just, just ebbing away and, uh, found myself, uh, being exhausted. I would wake up, I'd go to bed exhausted and I'd wake up exhausted and there, I, there just wasn't a way I couldn't find a way to get my energy back. And despite the fact that by then I'd, uh, uh, I'd already been to graduate school I'd, uh, to become a licensed mental health therapist. I didn't see much in the literature or really anything in the literature or in with talking to my peers that really addressed burnout as a specific thing. They talked about anxiety, stress, depression, etc., but not about burnout per se. And uh, anyway, I hit the wall about 20 years into this advertising agency and was just kind of exhausted all the time. And really didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, couldn't, you know, as they say, I couldn't get my mojo back. I couldn't get my energy back. And uh, really was sort of paralyzed with this kind of overwhelm of being exhausted on the one hand. And it was sort of like the movie Groundhog's Day where I'd wake up at 6 a.m., the alarm would go off at 6 a.m. 
and uh, it seemed like the same day over and over and over and over again. Scott, how did you know uh, at that point in time that it wasn't your your business or it wasn't family or whatever was going on in your life? Most folks will just kind of run from that, right? Because they would blame exactly. whatever was going on in their lives, whether it was their family or it's it's it's, it's this, it's that, and instead of kind of really thinking about the, the the actual core issue getting down to the core issue? That's a great question because most people that I talk to, most entrepreneurs that I work with, they assume that it is the business. It's the industry they're in. It's their employees, their coworkers, their business partners, their investors, their customers, or the economy. Um, and, you know, I've seen a number of, I've had a number of clients who have sold their businesses. Uh, I sold mine, in fact, um, you know, thinking that that might be the answer. And uh, only to discover, unfortunately, that it's not the answer. I've even had clients who've gone on six-month sabbaticals to kind of wander in the woods, hoping that would do something, but it didn't do anything. Um, you would think that a week's vacation or two weeks vacation or, I don't know, you know, something like that would help. I've even had clients who have gotten divorced, um, who, have, who have changed their where they live, they've sold their homes. And unfortunately, it's an inside job. Uh, and it wasn't until... I had tried everything else and nothing worked that I really discovered that it's really a, an inside job. It's not moving the chess pieces as I assumed it would be. Uh, it really is an inside job. And um, that was that was kind of a horrifying recognition on the one hand, but on the other, uh, it was the beginning of the way out. It was it was really the, the answer, although I didn't see it at first. Scott, we, we always talk about how, how the burnout could affect us as as individuals, but I'm curious to see as a family guy and, and at the time an entrepreneur who probably managed quite a few people, what was the impact, negative impact in this case, both on your life and also theirs? Because we forget how much um, of an impact we have, both positive and negative, if we're not in the right uh, train of thought or in the right uh, place in our lives around other folks. Can you tell me about that? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's not a happy, a happy thing to reflect on, but unfortunately it's you, what you said is, is exactly right. I, without being aware of it, I really inflicted all of this on my, on my business partners, for example. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I was, I brought a sort of a down dejected, um, attitude, uh, to work. I, you know, the tendency in, and this is the World Health Organization clinical definition of burnout, uh, one of the chief symptoms is to kind of blame others and lash out at others in, a, in an angry way um, and uh, kind of see others as the cause of the problem. So, you know, I was lashing out at coworkers. Um, my, my wife, you know, uh, it was a real struggle for her. She's a saint to have put up with me um, because mainly what she saw was that I would, she would say, you're, you're with us, you're physically with us, but you're not present. You're not there. Uh, your mind is and your spirit are somewhere else. And if you've ever heard those words, you know that this is really serious and really, really bad, where both my wife and my children notice that I'm just not I'm kind of like a zombie. I was like a zombie at home. I was there physically, but I, my mind and my spirit weren't there. What a shame, right? I mean, I don't know how long this was for you, but what you almost could look back as lost years or hopefully exactly. something you gained from it. Um, Scott, what is the actual 
clinical definition of of uh, burnout because it's often in our industry especially tech it's again every word is misused you and i talked about that every you know psychological safety is such a beautiful thing when you really think about it but people misuse it mental health it's such an important kind of a conversation to have yet people misuse it and use it as a way to almost leverage it for things or time off and and so a a lot a lot of things go in the wrong direction and so words are misused and then they become fluff to us entrepreneurs or business owners or leaders and we don't want to hear it uh, and then we get affected by it. So I'd love to know what the actual definition is. And more importantly, how the hell do we get away from it? Because I don't, I don't want to be clinic, clinically burnt out. Well, the World Health Organization and also the American Psychiatric Association both recognize um, burnout as a clinical disorder. And But you're exactly right. It's been misused since the term was coined in the 70s. The term burnout was coined uh, by some psychologists who studied the, uh, actually, and it's interesting given our history with COVID, but they were studying the, um, the level of passion that emergency room doctors and nurses uh, could sustain or couldn't sustain over uh, months and years in the emergency room. And what, when, they just, when they described and coined the term burnout, they were talking about the passion to heal and to be a, a healer and a caregiver burned out, that that passion was kind of snuffed out like a candle went out, and they considered that to be burnout. We would Today, we might call it empathy fatigue, um, but, but burnout still fits. Um, so the World Health Organization has defined it in, in basically three ways. It broadly, what clinical burnout means is that you you have uh, completely exhausted yourself, and you're you're you've been under stress, uh, uninterrupted stress for such a long period of time, um, that you begin to experience both physical and psychological symptoms. The the first and the most common, and probably the one that people notice the most often, and I noticed the earliest, is just a a complete bone tired mind body and spirit exhaustion. Um, and as I said, I would I would end the day exhausted, go to bed, and if I could sleep, I'd wake up exhausted. And that's one of the telltales that I hear from so many of our clients. I'd say 99% of our clients is this sort of fatigue that doesn't go away. Um, along with that, this is kind of the second leg of a three-legged stool. The second main cluster of symptoms has to do with being isolated psychologically, or in other words, sort of withdrawing. You may be with your family physically or with your coworkers or your partners physically, but psychologically you're isolated. Um, you, you begin to isolate yourself from other people um, in terms of uh, confiding in them, sharing things with them. You tend to sort of close down. Um, and then the, when it gets at its most severe, the third cluster of symptoms has to do with being uh, showing anger, uh, resentment, uh, particularly kind of a victim uh, mentality where you begin to blame uh, other people for the symptoms that you're experiencing, including the fatigue and the, and the internal loneliness. Um, so those are the, that's basically the definition, the clinical definition of, uh, of burnout, but it all stems from a, an exhaustion of mind, body, and spirit that results from unrelieved, uninterrupted stress over a, a fairly long period of time. And it, it doesn't really matter so much how long the period is. What matters is 
the effect that it has on the individual. How do you uh, differentiate this and depression, which is often also uh, a common thing that comes with from all of this? That's a great question. And in fact, there are um, there are a lot of commonalities. I mean, if you drew a Venn diagram, there would definitely be overlap between depression and burnout. But burnout, um, the the thing that distinguishes burnout is the, the stress as a as a causation, or in other words, um, to be under uh, a unsustainable amount of stress for a long period of time and without relief. That's the the main cause. And it's not necessarily the cause for all depression, though some depression does result from an excessive amount of stress. Um, So there's definitely some overlap. There's also some overlap with uh, generalized anxiety disorder. Um, There, you know, there's certainly some commonalities. But again, what distinguishes clinical burnout is this factor of having been under uh, a an excessive amount of stress that's unrelieved for a long period of time. And by unrelieved, you know, you can take a vacation and still get no relief from burnout. As I say, we've had clients who have taken up to six-month sabbaticals, and, and it did absolutely no good with respect to their burnout. Um, this is one of the problems is that people uh, often think, as I did, well, I just need a good night's sleep or a long weekend or a week's vacation or something like that, and then I'll get back to my old self. But one of the differentiators of clinical burnout is that you you don't get your energy back. You notice that you're just as exhausted and kind of defeated uh, as you were prior to the vacation or prior to the sabbatical. Um, there's a good old saying that you and I have heard, I'm sure, many times, what won't kill you will make you stronger. Uh, It almost contradicts this a little bit. What doesn't kill you may just put you in a burnout, uh, clinical burnout, it sounds like. Well, this is part of the problem with entrepreneurs. And we work almost exclusively with entrepreneurs and business owners, business leaders. And, you know, almost by definition, uh, entrepreneurs live by that slogan. You know, I mean, whatever comes up, they're ready for the challenge and the next challenge and the next challenge and the next challenge. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, the entrepreneurial superpower of having such resilience and persistence, uh, and, and it's incredibly, you know, useful and necessary when you're launching a business, as you know so well. Um, unfortunately, that superpower can really turn to kryptonite uh, over time. And um, that that ability, you know, the answer for most entrepreneurs is to work harder, you know, to try harder, uh, to to torque things up. Uh, as I like to say, we we work harder or we worry more. Um, you know, those are the two knobs that most entrepreneurs have, and it and it can be very very useful in launching uh, businesses and and so forth. But unfortunately, it does turn to kryptonite for a lot of people at some point. As an entrepreneur myself. And I have a lot of entrepreneur friends, as you can guess. And if they're not entrepreneurs, they happen to be CEOs or VPs of very successful companies. And there's a lot of pressure on them. Uh, they're family people and just adds on to it. Plus, I have some really great employees. So how do we, how can we teach these folks, C-level executives, entrepreneurs, to develop the self-awareness, to build the resilience in themselves and their teams at the same time? not continue pushing, 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 and realizing, hey, wait a minute, I might have burnout uh, and I need to fix this, or identifying what one of our key people might have, what might look like 
burnout? Well, a couple of things that can help, I think. One thing uh, that I will send you, if I haven't already, is a link to an online self-assessment, which we have found is a a very good way to um, kind of assess to what extent um, you're you're actually experiencing clinical burnout? Um, what we've created is sort of a summarized version of the Maslach burnout inventory, which is the definitive, um, uh, clinically proven, um, most accurate assessment for burnout. We've created a summarized version of it that will give you a pretty good idea of where you stand on the continuum of of uh, uh, urgency, I guess, and and the direness of the burnout. So that's number one, and I'll provide that. You can share it in the show notes if you want to. But I, I think that's really helpful because not only does it help you understand what the symptoms are categorically, but also to assess how um, how much they're affecting you. So that's that's number one. Number two, uh, in terms of what do you do? I mean, that's the the twenty four million dollar question, I guess. And you know, the thing that I found in trying to, in trying desperately to relieve my own burnout is that almost everything that I did intuitively made my burnout worse. Um, so, you know, for example, I'm going to work harder. Uh, that's how I'm going to overcome this, this exhaustion is I'm going to work harder. I mean, it sounds nuts to say it, but that's kind of what a lot of people do. Or we, we also, you know, what we tend to do is either try to fix the problem, which is what entrepreneurs are so good at, or we try to avoid the problem. It's basically fight or flight. And, you know, if you're changing a tire or starting a company, uh, you know, taking action is is the right thing to do. But when we're dealing with our thoughts and emotions, uh, unfortunately, our thoughts and emotions don't don't bend to uh, our will uh, as well as uh, starting a company or as I say, changing a tire or splitting the atom, that our minds can get behind. But when it's how do we how do we make disturbing thoughts and emotions go away? You know, and unfortunately, every attempt that we make to to make a disturbing thought or emotion go, go away makes it come back even more uh, strongly. It's kind of like the idea of don't think about pink elephants, don't think about pink elephants, don't think about pink elephants. I'm thinking um, about pink know, elephants, Scott. Yeah, that's the problem. It tattoos the the thing we want to get rid of. It tattoos us it on our brain. For example, I have a lot of entrepreneurs, and it's funny how common this thought is. But there's this sort of thought in the back of their mind is, "Oh my God, we're going to go broke." That's kind of the there's a there's a bankruptcy Paranoia. thought in the back, right, in the back of a lot of entrepreneurs' minds, and it's kind of like the spurs on a on a cowboy's boots that gets you moving. You know, when you think about going broke, you think, I sure as hell don't want to go broke. And so you work harder, you try harder, you get more creative and so on. But unfortunately, hearing that is sort of like hearing don't think about pink elephants, especially if you're trying to make that thought go away. Um, and what we do is is actually drill it into our minds. So unfortunately, a lot of the things that we do it naturally and intuitively to make burnout go away, make it worse. Um, and, you know, I had to learn this the hard way that all of the things that I that I was naturally inclined to do made it worse. So one of the main things that we have to do is to kind of make friends with some of our disturbing thoughts and emotions and to really begin to accept that they're just thoughts and emotions. And we've developed a a system called um, Burnout Breakthrough that actually takes you through a process of doing that. Um, You know, one of the most counterintuitive things about burnout is that is how to relieve stress. Since burnout is essentially caused by a long period of unrelieved stress, a lot of us think, well, every 50 weeks, I'll take two weeks vacation, and that ought to do it. Um, 
unfortunately, that's not how the mind and body work. What we really, and there's a pile of science that proves this, is that the way to relieve stress is we really have to relieve it all day, every day in real time. And that because the body doesn't um, doesn't allow us to just take on more and more and more and more stress and then let it go on a round of golf or let it go, um, you know, on a vacation. So one of the things that we teach in our program um, is a system of letting go of stress throughout the day by taking very short 10 second vacations multiple times during the day. And to relieve stress in a very deliberate, intentional, conscious way all day long. Um, and oddly, that really is the answer um, to, or the, the beginning of, of the answer anyway, to recovering from burnout. Scott, you, you used a great phrase for this. Sorry to interrupt. You said, I think during our conversation, you called it micro-vacations, which I thought was brilliant. Then I asked you what the hell a micro-vacation was, and, and you, you, you described it to me. I'd love to hear about what are some really healthy uh, micro-vacations that we all could take immediately? Well, the most important thing uh, for us to realize is that if we fight or avoid um, stressful thoughts or feelings, it makes them come back stronger. So as counterintuitive as it is, the first thing we have to do is to kind of get comfortable with our disturbing thoughts and emotions. Um, and whether that thought is as grand as I'm going to go broke or something small, like I'm going to miss a deadline. Um, the first thing that we have to do is to actually notice that we're having this disturbing thought or emotion, not to make it go away and not, and not to run away from it, but just to be present with it, to know what it is. And this can, you can do this in a matter of seconds. We're not talking about setting aside 20 minutes to meditate, although that's very, very good. We're talking about setting aside 10 seconds for this mini vacation. So the first thing to do is to notice, oh boy, I'm having that thought again, whatever that thought is, or usually people have two or three kind of core thoughts we found that, that they've used to the way a cowboy uses spurs to get them going. But unfortunately now it's working against them. So the first thing is to notice, wow, I'm having that, I'm going to lose this client thought. I'm going to lose this customer thought. Um, second is to, once you've noticed it, is to, uh, is to name it and say, oh, it's the, I'm going to go bankrupt thought, or it's the, I'm going to lose the client thought or whatever, whatever seems to be a recurring core thought. And then the third thing is, is the, probably the most counterintuitive, but the most important, and that's to really let it go. And by that, we mean to, um, and we, we teach a very simple breathing technique, but it can be as simple as just inhaling as you name the thought and then exhaling uh, as you let it go. Inhaling through your nose uh, as you call the thought to mind and exhaling through your mouth and uh, visualizing it, actually the, the disturbing energy leave your body. Now, this sounds like it's complicated. It's really not. It takes 10 seconds or less. And um, to begin with, this was all I had uh, when I was trying to recover from my own burnout. But this one technique is, is it's one of several in our system. But this one technique really saved me. And for a long time, that's all I had. It's sort of like the Olympic athlete who, who uh, trains and trains and trains, but realizes that recovery periods are just as important. Otherwise, the muscle tears that turn into muscle will turn into torn muscles without the recovery period. And it's very much like this. If we, we can still work hard as we want to, as long as we also allow ourselves multiple recovery periods during the day, and they can be as short as 10 seconds. But if you can take you know five mini vacations a day, 
and and completely release the tension in that moment. And that's the key to all of the science uh, that we know about this is that you have to completely let it go. So, but that's one technique, and everybody can do that. Um, that's really good. Now, that's to come out of burnout. But what if we're not burned out, right? Because the clinical definition of burnout is pretty intense, right? And I and I love that because, again, we don't want to fluff it. Oh, I'm burned out. No, you're not. You're just tired, right? But this is burned out. How do we prevent to get to that point? I don't want to burn out so I can get uh, recover. How do we prevent that? That's That seems really important. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, one of the one of the things about burnout that I really resist is that sometimes it's used as an excuse. And unfortunately, a victim mentality is kind of a symptom of, of burnout. I mean, one of the most important things for all of us to recognize, employers and employees, is that um, that we're really responsible for taking for managing our own burnout. So, I mean, if you work in an environment that is uh, toxic or misogynistic or racist or in some other way overtly bad, then run away screaming. You know, don't don't stay another minute. Um, if you work for an unreasonable uh, person uh, and there's no sign of light, then walk away. Do something else. But for most of us, it's not quite that way. More in, in my experience, we've been doing this for seven years now, people really cause their own burnout. And that's not a very popular thing to say, but that, you know, in 99% of the cases, that's what we've seen. If it isn't, if it isn't a misogynistic, racist, horrible, toxic situation, um, and in that case, absolutely get out of it. And what happens is that high performers tend to be tend to have several things in common. Number one, they tend to be perfectionists and they tend to be uh, people pleasers at, at some level or another. Um, and the, or at a minimum, they like to charm people and win people over and, and compete and win, basically. And those are great traits and they're especially good for entrepreneurs and they predict good things for entrepreneurs. But the problem is that no one is perfect and no one can please everybody. And so if you, if you live with that sort of frame of mind, with either one of those traits or both of those traits, you'll probably be promoted if you're an employee or you'll probably run your own company if you want to do that. Uh, the problem is that, and the downside of being a type A personality like that, that that's really about where winning and competing is so important is that everybody loses uh, every day. In fact, not just once a career, but every day we lose to some degree. And so this is what we found is is where people uh, kind of, again, their superpowers turn to kryptonite. And um, so what we found is that there, there is, however, fortunately, um, a very good way to prevent burnout. And a lot of it we found is just education. And, and first and foremost, we want people to know that unless you're in the toxic situation I described, you really can... Um, prevent burnout from occurring, and you really can recover from it. As an employer myself, you know, one of the things I look at is I, I really want my folks to understand what burnout is. Um, I want them to understand what the symptoms are. I want them to take an assessment to see if they are burned out. And then I want to give them practical, clinically proven tools that, that absolutely work to not only um, help you recover from burnout, but also help you prevent it. Because it is, it really is preventable. Um, but if you come and so many type A people come to the workplace, 
with this very competitive mindset and kind of a perfectionistic one, if not also a, a people-pleasing kind of an attitude. And those things will take you a long way, but they also put you at genuine risk for burnout. Um, I, I feel like uh, we all need someone to balance us. So if I recognize an employee of mine is taking on so much because he or she is just that badass and they want to kill it and they want to help you grow. And I almost feel like, and it's tempting uh, to allow them to go that direction because then we win from their brilliance, but we almost have to prevent that. We almost have to combat that and tell them to slow down or help them get rid of things that are unnecessary on their plate. Cause you're right. Most of these winners we talk about, they, they constantly put stuff on their plate. They almost never yes. remove anything from the plate. So exactly. I think they, exactly. they need, they need that. Um, uh, you said kryptonite, right? So, so this is my strength. I need someone to, to, to help me manage it. I have, I have a team here that's incredible. They recognize when I take on too much, uh, not because I complain or whine or I'm burnt out. I'm actually quite energetic, but they can see how crazy my days will be. So they will prevent me from doing it. They'll say, no, 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 no. Don't put that on his calendar. Even though I said, put it on my calendar, <laughs> Scott. And they'll say, please yeah. don't. Um, let's, let's do it for next week. Nothing's going to you know, break in the meantime. So I, I feel like we all need a balance in our lives. Not to go on a, a depressing topic, but I was talking to a friend of mine. We were having coffee and he told me that... Uh, his construction guy basically, unfortunately, overextended himself and ended up, you know, committing suicide, which was really, really, he said it really put me in depression because I realized, man, this guy was a good guy and he had a good life. But basically, he had what I think sounded like the opposite of, of, of a balance, right? In my relationship, I'm the guy that pushes and my wife's the one that hey, you know, we don't need that. Let's take it easy. Do we really need to buy that? Do we need to build another this or that? And so it really kind of balances me out. In my business, I have my business partner uh, and I have my goons, they call themselves, my leadership team. They they, they protect me from me, right? Which I appreciate greatly. Um, this gentleman sounded like he had the opposite. He had people tugging at him to do more, do more, take on more, do this, take on this project. And I think it was just too much. Uh, and and I, I mean, it's really depressing to even think about that, but that's how far this could be pushed in the wrong direction if not taken care of. So I'm glad someone's out there, yeah, right, as an expert to help. It's absolutely right. And, you know, part of it is, is that, again, if you're wired this way to compete and to win and to put points on the board and to achieve excellent, um, you know, to really crush it, as you say, unfortunately, that that very urge and the rewards that you get from living that way can, in fact, kill you and um, or at a minimum, you know, can can kind of uh, turn against you. And uh, there there I didn't you know, when I first started my own search, I was I really despaired if I'd ever find a way out. But there absolutely is a way out in it. And it 100 percent works. Um, I guess that's the thing that I would I would want to leave with anybody who's listening to your podcast is that if you're in this boat, the good news is, is that you can absolutely get out of it and stay out of it permanently. Um, but you're going to have to try some things that are pretty counterintuitive for type A people. Um, but and, and oddly, it doesn't mean that you give up on, on being competitive or ambitious. In fact, you can perform at an even higher level once you make these changes. Um, sometimes people think if I if I stop being a top type A person, I'll have to give up on 
my career, give up on who I am. But the opposite is true. Actually, once you get this behind you, you actually can rise to a much higher level than before. Agreed. Agreed. You um you said something earlier. You said let it go. Really good. There's a there's a powerful book I'm reading that a friend of mine recommended. It's called The Untethered Soul. I don't know if you've you've read it I yet, have. Scott. I love oh, it. I love great it. book, yeah. right? And it just, it just, it's funny when you're reading it, you're like, ah, easy for you to say, but it, it's brilliant. It's literally just let it go. It's not worth it. It's fine. One of the things that's great about that book is that Michael Singer, the author, built a million dollar or a billion dollar medical records company. So he's not talking about this as just some kind of uh, mystic uh, hermit seeker guy, although he's that too. But he's, you know, he started a billion dollar business and that uh, yeah, was really. And we rely a lot on, on Michael Singer's writings. There's a lot of great stuff there. Well, it, 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 one of the best things, I'm still reading the book. One of the best things that I liked about it was it talked about just letting life happen. And when you work too hard to almost combat what's happening, you don't, it ends up being worse, right? Instead of just, just going with it. This is the reality. So what? Now what? Let's deal with it. It's all good. I mean, it's really helped me survive now three recessions. A healthy right. mindset Absolutely. just to know, hey, this this will pass. It's challenges. It's OK. We're going to do this together. Um, and I think it I think it comes down to not overextending yourself in all areas. Again, balance of life, right? Not overextending your time, not overextending yourself financially, not overextending your company's reach because you can. Uh, they say grow broke, right? Is a great phrase. You yes. grow so fast and so it's just not sustainable. You could create a lifestyle where you have to constantly keep up and it's just, you know, it doesn't matter what you do to, no matter what you achieve, you want more. Uh, it's about enjoying the journey, right? Not constantly looking for guys at the end. This all being said, what does a healthy mindset for any leader look like, especially at the top? Well, I think, you know, you've, you've said a lot about it already, but, um, you know, we can't fight reality or we, we can, but we only lose every time. Um, and, and this is difficult for entrepreneurs who are all about bending the future, really changing the future and, uh, and bending it in the direction that, that they envision. And so there's this very delicate balance between, um, between effort and letting go. That's, that's, it's a difficult balance to hit, but, and this is what I meant when I said that, you know, sometimes people feel like if they shed some of the of their more compulsive um, uh, attitudes, uh, that they will stop being effective in business, for example, or that they'll have to give up on their dreams. But what I've seen again and again and again, in fact, we have a graduate program called Beyond Burnout for people who have recovered from burnout. And the whole objective there is to realize, wow, now that you've broken through burnout, what else is possible? And, and what people find over and over and over again is that there is a higher level of achievement beyond pure uh, effort and will. And it's, it's a delicate but achievable balance between, between effort and letting go. Um, I mean, that's really, I think, what we read in, in Michael Singer's book, Untethered Soul, and, and that there's actually a, a higher level of achievement that's available uh, beyond putting, beyond efforting everything into place. Uh, if, we can, if we can go, if we can uh, sort of relax into this dance with, uh, with reality and, and respond the way that you respond to a dance partner, it's, 
it's really not only much more sustainable and fun, but you know, from our clients' perspective, their level of achievement is much higher than it was before. I'm thinking of one client in particular who is working himself into an early grave, working 70 to 80 hours a week, really successful business, but he was killing himself, not seeing his family. And in working together, we've, he now works 24 hours a week tops and his business has doubled and he's, he's really enjoying it more than he ever has done. But he figured if he, if he really cut down his work hours, his business would, the wheels would fall off his business, but the opposite is true. It's thriving. Of course. I bet you it's thriving because he let go of the vine a little bit. Uh, he let his team take stuff on. Um, I think, you know, I have actually a comment on this as, as someone that works developing teams and speaks at conferences about leadership. I think it's easy to say, you know, um, let go of the vine. But what I, what I figured out is before you have to let go of the vine, you have the right you have to have the right people in the right seats. Once you do, you absolutely have to let go of the vine. And they will, they will do a better job than you technically. You know, um, historically when I would go on vacation or I would travel for business, I was always worried, you know, what happens to the business? Not because I didn't trust my team. It's just, it was just, they needed me, right? They, I thought they needed me. And uh, at the time, maybe they need this team, it's really, really refreshing when I come back and how things are just in order. And the best thing that I hear is just, hey, we missed you. Hey, the energy yep. wasn't the same, but it wasn't, ah, oh, this fell apart, that fell apart. It's just hopefully as a, as a person, they enjoy being around and as a leader who hopefully makes them feel better about themselves and guides them and supports them, they might miss that for three, four, five days or a week or two or a month. But it's not that they needed us, they wanted us. So... I think that's really, really powerful. So I would say as a, as a leader, if you haven't surrounded yourself by great people, it's the first thing you need to do is constantly elevate the game, constantly elevate the, your team, make get better and better people, and then elevate by delegating, right? So delegate and elevate, get to the next stage, get to a point where you literally are not needed and you're just here because they can't send you home because you're the boss, you know? <laughs> Right. Well, you know, a lot of it is just the, the sheer humility of realizing, you know, I do two or three things really well. And the rest of the things that I do, other people can probably do them better or faster or cheaper or all three. And, you know, I mean, nobody has is great is 100 percent great at 100 things. So, you know, what we always try to do is to help our help our clients realize what are the things that really give you joy and that move the needle the farthest and fastest for your business? And let's focus on that. And what always happens is they're only spending 10% of their time in that genius zone. And uh, so we, we want to flip the flip the tables and have them spend 80% in that area where, that, where only they can do it the way that they do it. Um, but everything else we want to automate, delegate, systematize, or eliminate altogether more with less basically right do more with less exactly i think we have to be really really communicative about this with our team i had a, a young woman was telling me that she's oh, she's really tired and she's in burnout and um and i'm not her direct boss obviously but i said take a vacation and she looked at me like i'm crazy what do you mean take a vacation like i've got i'm behind i'm this i'm that i'm struggling and you know it i'm like you're only going to struggle more you're only, if you're not in the right, you know, train of thought, you're not burned out, but you're definitely tired and you need a vacation and you go see your family. So she requests a week off. 
She's more energetic before because she's excited about this vacation. She really, you know, she, she takes this vacation, comes back more energized than ever. So again, if you have the right people, you have to encourage them that it's okay to take time off and, and enjoy even when they're struggling, even when they need to perform, it's, it's, it's not worth it. Um, another question for you. We all must know someone that's burnt out, but they're usually burnt out because they won't help themselves and they won't help others help them. This is very common with our loved ones, right? Whether it's our parents, a brother, or friend, or a colleague. What do you recommend we all do as, again, leaders or just children of someone or whatever, friends? What do we do to get help them get the help they need to get through this? Well, one of the things that, as I mentioned earlier, you might offer them the opportunity to take this uh, online burnout assessment. And um, we found that for a lot of people, they're surprised to learn what burnout really is and also surprised to learn that, they, that their symptoms are so severe. So that's one thing. Um, another thing, you might send them to our Facebook group called Beyond Burnout, where they'll, they'll hear from a lot of people just like them talking about the you know, the exactly the same situation, but how they've, they're really putting it behind them. Um, so, you know, I think that's, those are a couple of things. It's very difficult to, uh, you know, unfortunately it's, it's a form of addiction. I really believe, um, you know, this, this kind of workaholism that leads to burnout, uh, really is a form of addiction and we become addicted to our own brain chemistry, our own body chemistry. We become addicted to the adrenaline and the cortisol and the dopamine and the serotonin and the norepinephrine that come from stressing ourselves this way. And we can literally become uh, addicted to it, at least psychologically addicted to it. So it's, and this is why it's so sad in the case that you mentioned about the construction uh, person uh, who took his own life. I mean, it's really, it can be that serious. You know, if it's a loved one, I think we just have to really come out and say, you know, we're really afraid for you. You know, we're really concerned about you. Um, what we found in business situations is that typically a star performer begins to um, get in their own way and not perform the same way that they were before. And sometimes the only way to get through to people who are wired to be this competitive and to succeed at any cost is to say, hey, you know, you're actually, your performance is, is, you're deterring your own performance. You're impeding your own success. And sometimes that's the, we have a little bit more leverage in work than we would in family situations, for example. For all the folks listening to me, it's like, it's, there's, it's, there's a great phrase out there. It's, it's, you can't afford not to do this if you're truly in burnout uh, mode. So I would, I would highly recommend people hit up Scott. Uh, Scott, your mindset is so organic and so, so real. That's why you and I hit it off, I think. And I was just curious because I'm like, oh my God, it's a real thing. It's like an actual yeah, right. thing. Or I just thought it just, it's just an exaggerated word for tired. And it sounds like it's like a permanent tired mentally, emotionally, physically, which uh, is right. not good. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. Is there anything you want to leave us off with that's like, just that we missed? Well, I don't think we missed anything. I, you asked some great questions, but I wanted to make this offer I was thinking about as preparing for our time together today. What I'd love to do is to offer a an audit uh, for a, a burnout audit um, for anybody who is, you know, is really interested in finding out about this and about getting getting out from under. And um, we have a an audit uh, process that, that has a, a cost to it, but um, 
what I'd like to do for people who are on, uh, who are listening to this podcast, if you'd like to get go through this audit process, uh, we will we'll do it at no cost because you're listening to Avitas's uh, podcast. Amazing. Um, and all you have to do is just email me, uh, Scott S C O T T Scott at burnoutbreakthrough.com. And we have a very exhaustive audit process that will not only help you understand what's really going on with you, which may or may not be burnout, but we can help you see that and direct you to the to the right uh, solution, whether it's with burnout uh, in our system or or it could be something else. And if it is, we're happy to refer you to that. But, yeah, just email me, Scott, at Burnout Breakthrough, and uh, just put free audit somewhere in the um in the message and I'll know it's from this podcast. That's a very, very giving thing, Scott. Thank you. Appreciate that, uh, that amazing offer. And then I'll also provide the link to the online assessment that everybody can take. I'll give you a link to that for the, um, for the notes for your show. Maybe we'll put it out there on LinkedIn so people can take advantage because this is, it's, it's a real thing. And, and I think we could all fly if we're not dealing with uh, mental or physical or emotional challenges that we're trying to kick down the road, right? Uh, the biggest thing I learned is, is we used to play through injuries. And what you realize is you pay, you pay for that for the rest of your lives so you don't miss two, three yeah. games so you could look strong and be there for your team and all that. But it's the same thing. If we're trying to play through injuries, mental or physical, emotional, we're just honestly, we're, we're, uh, we're not doing our team, our family justice. I would highly recommend reading books, hitting up people like Scott and, and really taking care of it. So this has been really, really cool. Uh, Scott, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. And I'm glad uh, we talked about a very serious topic and uh, we did it in a very organic, uh, random way as I, I like to keep it. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank it's you. been great. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. If you have a hardworking member on your team, coworker or colleague, send this episode to them. Don't forget to leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and tune in next Wednesday at 6 a.m. And if you haven't tuned into episode three, how AI is disrupting tech recruiting, check it out. It's our most popular episode thus far. See you soon.